Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The current series we are engaged in is entitled The Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We're being led by Milton Redeker, the men's coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the men's minister and married young adult minister at Houston's First Baptist Church. We also want to let you know about the men's retreat coming up in October 2nd and 3rd at Camp Choye entitled Unleashed. We'll be led by Pastor Greg, Steve Knox, our college catalyst, and Eric Reed, the men's minister. We hope to see you there, and we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Have a great day. praise you. God, we love you because you are an amazing God. You showed us in creation how incredible you are by making us, Lord, and making this world. But we also are amazed at your word, how 66 books written by 40 different authors over 3,000 years, Lord, uh, can have one central theme about your son. And Lord, we love you and praise you for that as well. God, we ask that uh, as we strive in the disciplines that uh, you uh, encourage us, Lord, encourage us daily. Remind us you're God, and we are not. Sharpen us, Lord. Keep us grounded. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, any, before we, any thoughts on the challenge? Anybody do the challenges? Did anybody try the media challenge to, to fast from media? Or did somebody go through that prayer? Anybody go through that prayer thing that, that um, Milton handed out? Just trying to get feedback. You know, you're talking about the different books or the... Uh... Well, Milton handed out a... A document, a real, a real incredible document, and then I, I tried the media challenge with y'all, the, the Bible in 90 days, and um, I wouldn't say you got to read it, you know, do the Bible in one week, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it'd be cool, but it'd be crazy. Um, <clears throat> but I was just curious what the feedback was on that. Well, one thing I, I, I have to start thinking, because I was going to do it last week, and just, it's, it's the Bible, the... Um, reading the Bible every day, because I, I do a devotion at work. Right. I got from the church like six months ago, with a bunch right. of books that I've read. Right. You know, Christian book, um, kind of like Christian book writers, like, uh, my mind's not blank, but um, Ted, Ted Decker, places like that. I read, I like three books. Oh, the Ted Decker books, yeah. I love yeah. Ted Decker, Fred, Fred, I, Fred, Fred, I got like four of their books and read them. I love yeah. their books. But um, my goal is to start, I was going to do it last week, and I just have it, but I want to start that daily reading. They got right. a daily Bible where you read every right. Bible verse every day. Right, to right. start off January 1st, that's it's, you know, right. September 12th, whatever Good. it is. So Good. that's what I'm going to start doing after tomorrow, at least do one Fantastic. day. Any other thoughts? Uh, well, I thought the material was so good. I uh, scanned it in and I've shared it. In several oh, times. really? The Milton stuff? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah, I thought we were doing the same thing, actually. Really? Like good. <laughs> okay, good. Great. Well, I'm glad. Milton will enjoy that. And then, so, to, I want to encourage you to keep doing that. And that's one of the things we're going to do today is, is talk about challenges. As we go into the third spiritual discipline here, we're going to talk about But I want to show you, I want to show you something absolutely insane. This is probably the world's most sadistic race, talking about a challenge here. Okay? I want to share this with you. It's called the death race. And every year in Vermont, men put themselves through chaos just to complete this race. Okay, and this year, it's possibly the toughest and definitely the oldest, the oddest multi-sport comp competition in the world. Composed of a series of inane tasks 
hacking tree stumps from the ground, rebuilding Lego cubes designed to break participants physically and psychologically. This year, only 18 of the 54 entrants finished. Uh, this comes out of Men's Journal magazine. Uh, let me explain what the what the uh, what the uh, the race consists of. Task number one is bust stumps. After after the first, it starts at 6 a.m. and it ends at 4 a.m. in the morning. So after the first of several mud crawls under barbed wire, uh, locate a tree stump with your race number on it and dig it out of the ground with your axe. By the way, you have to carry the stump and your bike frame, your bicycle frame, for the entire race. The next step, and they have a deadline at 8 a.m., <clears throat> you have to run three miles through a rocky creek to retrieve a single match, followed by another eighth of a mile barbed wire crawl. You can't get the match wet because you'll need it later. Okay? Then the third task is splitting wood. Using your ax, split 20 logs into firewood and then lug it all the way to the top of a 2,000 foot hill. Along with the wood, you'll still be toting your stump and the bike. Okay? Then test your memory. At the top of the hill, memorize a list of 10 US presidents, then return to the bottom and recite them. Jumble the names and you climb back and try it again. Then on task five is build a Lego cube. Study the multicolored Lego cube, taking careful notes, then crawl more than a mile under barbed wire. A mile under barbed wire and reconstruct the cube after retrieving the pieces from a pond. If you fail, yep, you guess it, you go back and do it again. This is crazy. This is, this is 1 p.m. If you, okay? At this point, from the 54 races, there's only 29 left. Okay? Then at six, the sixth task, we'll skip that. Seventh task, at 6 p.m., using the match you picked up in the morning, start a fire to boil a tin can of water and cook your egg, the only food you will get all day because the previous task was you have to run a river and find an uncooked egg in a grassy knoll. Okay? Lastly, you have to bike around the pond. You retrieve your wheels from the woods, dive into the pond to find your chain, assemble the bike and ride it around the pond, then weigh yourself on a scale. After carrying the bike all day, you get to ride it less than half a mile. <laughs> Tell me what we we'll let you do all that. And then lastly, you have to carry, the reason why you weigh yourself is you carry 20% of your weight in rocks up an 1,800-foot uh, hill, repeat with water, then sprint two and a half miles. First place wins $2,000, second place wins nothing. We'll let you do that one. The, <laughs> the website, it's cracked me up. I found it this morning, I was looking at it. The website, the website is called youmaydie.com. <laughs> I want to share that with you on challenges and um, as we started real quick it's called, it's called the most sadistic race and they only take 100 applicants it's in Vermont well I'm going to talk to some of my SOCOM friends and say hey, we should do this in Houston on the bayou somewhere on Buffalo Bayou yeah. this would kick booty man this is awesome it's something I would do I wouldn't I probably wouldn't last the, the presidents would, would drive me nuts the memorization thing anyway I want to share that with you that's the world's most sadistic race. I have the article if you want electronically. I can share that with you as well. It's kind of fun. Um, the past four weeks, we're in our fourth week now, we have looked at the definition of manhood. And our ultimate example of manhood is Jesus Christ. We talked about the different types of men and how we're going to be using Christ as our ultimate example. Uh, we have looked at creation. 
as well. And taking a moment to inhale the excellence of his of, of creation. And we look at the Bible and we understand that his word is the word of God, that Jesus is the word made fl- uh, from flesh in his reality. Okay? First John 1 1, the word became flesh. Did we got that with me? Okay. And this week we're going to embrace a different discipline, prayer. Okay? It's very important to understand that as we look at this, Christ, the communion with God, the, from the creation, Christ, Christ makes, makes prayer intimate with God. Am I right on that? The whole purpose of Christ being a sacrificial lamb was very, it was very important in this avenue of prayer. I, I, I want to share this with you. I'm going to share this story. I didn't realize how taxing communion with God pre-Jesus, or B.C., B.C., was so difficult. They had to, only certain people born into a certain bloodline, the Levites, could have communion with God, going to the Holy of Holies. And if they had a single sin on them, God would strike them dead at that point. That was, that was communion with God. For penance of sins, you had to kill a dove. The minimum, uh, minimum animal you could kill was a dove. And I'm reminded of this because my grandfather, okay, I'm going to share a little story here. My grandfather was a pastor, and we, uh, we used to eat goat, chivo. All right? So the thing for me was kind of, it's kind of interesting because the goat would be alive in the morning. <laughs> be around the backyard. Anybody remember this? Anybody have this experience? Be around the backyard. And, and this, this goat would be alive, and he'd be fattened up. I mean, he'd the, honestly, guys, goats are the best lawnmowers. They really are. So, but this goat, I, I mean, I had, I had 8 a.m. till 2 o'clock with this goat. I really grew attached to this thing. He butted me every now and then, but I thought, man, this is cool. And he was jumping on the old car in the backyard. Then my grandfather came out, a very sharp knife and some rope, grabbed the, go- grabbed the goat by the back legs, hung it up, and... Cut the goat. Hey, Eric. Hey, man. I'm so sorry. I'm talking about the uh, talking about the sermons of Christ in the creation and, and the intimacy of prayer. This is Eric Reed, y'all. Eric Reed. Eric Reed. Hello. How are y'all? Good. Sorry. <laughs> I was down. I appreciate that yeah. right there. No. Did you get that at home, buddy? My kids do get excited, but they don't give me the little golf well, clap. They know. They. they, they, they uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was. Uh, we were talking yeah. to the adults and senior adult class leaders about the men's retreat coming up, and so that's where I was. Would you like to talk about the men's retreat real quick? Only if it doesn't. No, it I guess I've already interrupted yes, class, no right? No yeah, yeah. If if you haven't heard, if you don't know, I know some of you have already registered. You got a cabin and all that, but October second and third is our men's retreat. The last men's retreat we had was actually two thousand and four. And the next one we'll have is 2011. So you can do the math. In seven years, this is our first men's retreat, if you look at that whole window. And so it is a great opportunity to get generations of men together from 18 to over 80. We don't always get to worship together, pray together, and and be challenged spiritually together with a common vision, a common purpose, a common mission. And so if you haven't registered, it's not too late. We've got 200 and something men signed up already. We're praying that we'd have at least 250 to 300 men there. Um, there are cabins or hotel rooms, but I would really encourage you, man, if you're in a Bible study class, grab the guys of the class and say, hey, let's just do this together. I know, Blake, I got an email from y'all that y'all have 10 or 11 guys now in a cabin from your Bible study class. 
and now they're going to get to know each other better. Uh, there's skeet shooting, paintballing, but there's also laid back stuff. If you just want to pitch horseshoes or hand grenades, no, they don't have hand grenades, but <laughs> if you wanted to just basically have a relaxed time, there are those activities as well, but there's a lot of active things too. It's a great camp, about an hour and 20 minutes north east of here in Livingston, Texas. So uh, it'll kick off Friday night and it'll be done Saturday by four o'clock. And uh, all the rest is on the web, or you can call me. But anyhow. Would you redirect us back in prayer? Would you open us up in prayer again? Yeah, absolutely. Father God, I just uh, we actually come to you right now. And Lord, we praise you for your goodness and your mercy. Father, I praise you for the gift of prayer. God, uh, it, is, it was not cheaply given to us. Father, it cost your son his life. And so, Father, we, we come to you in his name, uh, through his blood, in the power of his resurrection to you right now. And I ask that you would speak clearly to us, God, that we would become more men of prayer. God, that's my heart prayer. Uh, that is the prayer and that is the hope for our church, for our city, for our nation, for this world, God. You said your house would be a house of prayer. And Father, I just come to you as a man to say, uh, often it is easier for me to do things than to just pray. And yet prayer is so active and prayer is something incredibly powerful and a great connector to you and so father thanks for these men uh, thank you for renee we lift up our brother milton who is sick right now we pray your healing hand upon him um, father that it would be nothing more than just a sinus infection and god that next week he would be back up here uh, investing himself in our lives and we thank you and it's in christ's name that we pray amen so my grandfather went out in the backyard with a knife and rope, strung up the goat, and took my play partner for the whole day, cut the animal's throat, and of course, you know what happened, the animal died. To say that it left an indelible mark on me would be an understatement, but the tacos the next few hours later were incredible. <laughs> it was really good chivo, by the way. But the reality, what struck me, in it for many years, I didn't understand that it was the blood of Christ, that if I was to commune pre-Jesus, B.C., with God, repentance of my sins, the smallest animal I could take was a dove. There was going to be blood spill. And it, it made a mess, guys. It really made a mess. There is a cost. As Eric prayed, there was a cost that Christ was our propitiation for our sin. The four-syllable word, five-syllable word. Uh, our replacement. He took our place on the cross, opened up the door. As you know, the Holy of Holies split, the curtain split uh, from the top down. And the, that opened the door for communion with God. And, I, and, and that's, that is our third spiritual discipline, real quick. Now, so I'm going to ask the question of y'all. And then, again, this is more conversational. Um, like I said, this is a safe place for you to talk, to be men. Our tone is with men. We're going to be respectful of where we are. But my question to y'all, and I don't want to linger on this, but what is prayer? <coughs> Any form of communication, whether you're telling God how you feel, he knows everything anyway, so he knows how you feel already. Okay, so it's communication to who? To God. To God. Tell him basically how you feel and ask him, ask him what he has for us. Or okay. does not guide us according to his way. According to his way. Okay, interesting. 
thoughts? Said it all, didn't it? It's a good definition. Are y'all pretty comfortable with that? <laughs> Communication, Frank, is that pretty solid? Yeah. Kevin? Giving thanks. Ask, seek, and not. That brings up a good question. Are there forms of prayer? Different forms of prayer? Yes, I think so. I said it. A precatory prayer? In precatory prayer, I think it's someone's song. Yeah. If y'all have ever read the Psalms, do y'all know when he says in precatory prayer what that is? In, in the book another, of Psalms, another four-syllable word. Yeah, it, yes. In the book of Psalms, there are some Psalms that David wrote that basically was sort of placing a curse upon enemies. Uh, some of his Psalms were like, I, "I want to take their babies and throw them against the rocks by the river Jordan." Um, so when we obviously need to get the context and understand, but there are different forms of prayer in Scripture. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah. So. What'd you call that again? Imprecatory. Uh, not that the, the quiz won't be tonight. <laughs> Here. I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. Imprecatory. And I've got a great article on how to understand those psalms because they are challenging. I remember the first time I read it, I, it just blew my mind. I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> right. And then we... Scripture should do that to us. It should make us stop and really think and wrestle with it. So, well, Let me get some quotes on prayer from some people that have got bigger degrees than us. Or, uh, it says, the substance of religion is constant a conscious communion with God, Jonathan Edwards. Of all the spiritual disciplines, ding, 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 prayer is the most central because it ushers in perpetual communion with the Father, Richard, Richard, Richard Foster. Robert Morley, the guy that wrote uh, I, The Man in the Mirror, I think gave one of the incredible, uh, Eric and I were talking about this today, I see prayer as the conversation that turns salvation into a close personal relationship with God. Wow, that, that struck me. And then, of course, real, real prayer is a two-way conversation with God. Two-way. So, Raise it. I mean, so all of us know the merits of prayer. Some of us will pray a lot. Some of us will pray very little. Um, you know, uh, praying praying a little or a lot has to do more with the level of intimacy. Uh, one example that I that I use is to, uh, working with the special forces guys. They have a they have a terminology called "You got my six. Anybody know what that means? Anybody know? You got my six. Six being the the hour the, the clock. <coughs> six being the backside. You down. That? You got my back. Yeah. You got my back. So you got my six. And as we go into battle, as we go into, and that's the way to look at prayer as a battle plan, a war plan, the war room, is you go into battle to think about that's your that's that's how you commune and get the battle plan for the day. God's got your six. He's behind you. He may be in front of you many times. But in reality, that's when you go as you face the day, as you face every day. But to understand God, you have to get face-to-face -to, -face to understand. That's what prayer is, a 
face-to-face communion with God. And like I say, we don't have to go into the Holy of Holies. We don't have to cut a dove. We don't have to kill a dove, not cut a dove, kill a dove. We don't have to kill a goat, I mean a sheep, to, to offer sacrifices to God. Jesus did that. He opened the door for us. Eric? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, what's our next question? Then? Oh, I'm sorry. What is, what is prayer? Uh, let's see. Yeah, why, why should we pray? What are some of the reasons we pray? soon. We are working that. We're working the angle we got on God the Father. We got it going. We, I'm working on my third million. The first that's two that's right. No, okay. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yes, yeah, definitely receiving things from God. Um, probably have to define what things would be, but yeah, absolutely. Um, someone else, uh, why, why pray? Why? Because he wants us to. John with the Bible, with the Sunday school Way to go, man. Way to hit him. You serious? <laughs> oh, am I serious? No. I don't think so. Yeah. It definitely God expresses a huge desire right. exactly. in command that we would be in right. prayer. Absolutely. Exactly. Other reasons? To get closer to him? Closer. Mm-hmm. Side, side note on that, I mean, my, my closeness to my wife has enhanced as we learn to pray together, even. Mm-hmm. My closeness with some of my men that are close friends has been enhanced as we have prayed together. Um, that it also builds a community of people that are praying together. So it's not just this individual, sometimes it's a corporate deal, and it really does matter when I've got some friends I know that they, they've got my six, you know, I can call them up and we can pray about stuff in life. And that, that draws us together as brothers. It's a big, important deal. Other reasons for prayer? Or is that, does that hit them all? Yeah, it looks like it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, help. you get, you ask you things, things, commands, and to get close to the God. It's pretty much... Yeah, I, I think these, these are... These are reasons that, that I pray. I want to give you I want to give you another one that, that maybe is sort of underneath a lot of those, and, and it's real simple. We look at the life of Christ. It was really neat that Pastor Greg spoke about rest. How many of y'all were in the in the sermon on this past Sunday? Okay. How many of y'all did that connect with you guys? Did y'all relate to that at all on the busy side and the rest side? And God wanted me to hear it because I heard it three times. I don't normally hear Greg three times. I heard Pastor Greg three times because there was an ordination at 9.30, and a man had asked me to pray over him for that, so I did. I'm normally teaching a Bible study class at that time. Then the 11 o'clock, which my wife and kids are in, so I'm not going to miss that one. So I was in there for 11, and then another friend had asked me to pray over him at an ordination at 6.30. So I was like, okay, God, you have ensured that I will hear this message three times and the 
first time it hit me, and the second time it, it I took a step back, and the third time I was like, okay, uncle, you know, I give, I, I got it. And, and within that, he talked about Christ over ten different times in Scripture did what? Right. He withdrew from everything, and what did he do? He prayed, right? Brene shared the very first week that Christ is our model. He is the true man. And that if we walk as he walks, we would look more like he looks. And Christ was a man of prayer. So at the bottom line, if I want to be like Christ, why pray? It's because I want to be like Christ. If I want to be like Christ, I have to be like Christ. I have to pray. I know it seems weird, but, but Christ did it all the time. And let me ask this. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He created the world. He is not created. That's the difference between uh, Mormons and Christians right there. This who Jesus isn't created. He's the creator. Co-equal, co-eternal. We call it the Trinity, right? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus have power? What were signs that Jesus had power? What were things that Jesus did that indicated, I've got power, gentlemen? He produced a lot of miracles. Healed the sick. Healed the sick. Resurrected the dead. You know, Ike is coming in, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus says, still. (laughs) Imagine, the wind is buffeting your home. Tree limbs are blowing down. Rain is going sideways. And your kids are hunkered down and there's fear in everyone's voices. And then Jesus could say, still. He'll be silent. You would hear the drip of water coming off the trees. That's his power. If Jesus had to withdraw for prayer, then who in the world do we think we are? to go into the corporate America or to just drive down the street littered with billboards and everything else that draw our attention to everything but him and think that we'll be all right if I just bless my food at night with my wife or my friends. I mean, seriously. Christ as God was a man of prayer. And I think that's the biggest, most compelling reason that any of us should get on our knees and pray. So why, why, why do we today, why do men, me in particular, I'm pointing the finger back at me, why do we resist prayer? prayer time? Oh, that's very easy. Because of, of society, of everything that's out there, we're so busy with entertainment and work wow. and everything else that we just forget about prayer. We just we just put it aside and pray when we need to pray. And that's how a lot of people act like now. Oh, we'll pray when we need to. But things are going right, but when things are going fine, there's no need to. It's just not way I've been, but I think that's where a lot of people look at. That's why you don't see as many people praying as much as they should. Oh. There's a line. There's a line in one of those old Beatles songs, Uncle Albert. Yeah. And he says, "The kettle's on the boil, and we're so easily called away." I've always thought of that as, you know, society has got all this stuff churning and going. And you get involved in that. 
and you're called away from what you really should be about. And you know, in my case, it's you know decades of that. just paying attention to the government even gets involved with it now, where they're taking away praying from schools and oh, praying from outside activities. It's it's kind of a matter where you can't even pray anymore without consulting somebody. You'll be praying. It's kind of like the way the society's turning to, where they're saying, well, if it's going to insult somebody. Can't do it. Can't do it. You know, and I think that's what we're battling right now. Even though God does say, I've read in the Bible that you, He actually loves when you pray by yourself, when you're in a room by yourself in the dark. He respects that. He likes that. He likes, actually, to Him, that's even more powerful than praying with a bunch of friends. You actually only need by yourself to pray to Him. That's, I think, what we need to do more is find private time to pray to God, you know, where. And, and, and remember, I mean, to, to your point, both of it is, you know, Paul was shackled to a Roman guard. And yet he's the one that told us to pray without ceasing. <laughs> There's nothing the government can do. And I mean this. I truly mean this. I know what you're saying about school and prayer and that people have been fired and principals have been fired and valedictorians have been muzzled and all of that. There's nothing that will ever stop a heart that wants to get right with God to get right with God. Because prayer isn't always verbal, where I have to talk it out loud. I have a feeling that when Paul was chained to the Roman guard, he was praying without ceasing during that time. And sometimes it was verbal, and other times it was silent. But it was real. It was real. And remember our first spiritual discipline, it was, it was what? What was the, the core of it? It's creation. God created and God permeates creation. And we can't get away from his presence. Therefore, prayer can happen anywhere, anytime, day or night. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He is not faint. He is not weary. He's alive. He's resurrected. Regarding prayer, there's a little tip on KCB about 5 or 5.30 every night. And like you said, there's problems at school about prayer. And they provide documents through when people are allowed to pray and bad stuff out at schools. Yeah. And Jay, Sec Jay Seculo and his son in there. Kevin? Well, let me just uh, two things separate. N number one, I used to work in the school system, two of them, and um, just to teach. And it always struck me that, you know, you want to talk about something Christian. Temperature goes all killing down, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, seriously. And, but yet, in my mind, I remember like for the Muslim students, they, they had a room with the uh, prayer cords, and they, they had to be excused at certain times. And sort of, uh, in my mind, things were scheduled around their needs. I always thought that was peculiar, you know, why, why they picked the Christian uh, experience. But then, he, well, anyway, that that was just. Uh, there's no answer to that. I just scratched my head. But the other one is, what to me, I've always wondered what constitutes a prayer because I went to Catholic school for 12 years, and you know, came out of that like, okay, that's nice. And um, essentially, uh, to me, praying probably still is is recitation of memorized uh, 
kind of go into a trance, which is praying di dialogue. But to me now, prayer to me is I just, I, I don't know, I just sort of, there's none of this, you know, dear God or anything. I just sort of start to talk like, hmm, this is a mess or you know, what, what, am I do what am I doing here, Father? I'm, you know, preparing to uh, involve myself in something I shouldn't be. Or, right. You know, what's the answer? You know what I'm saying? That I do. So it's not, uh, you know, what is prayer? What do you think it is? Well, we've, we've erased it. What, what did we, I think we, we said there's a definition, sort of nailed it. Yeah, but I think what he's trying to say is, when you, in a Catholic belief, they have, you have a prayer, you have like, you have to say pray in certain ways. You have to say it this way, this way, this way, this way. And, well, to me, when you read the Bible, Jesus Christ says one way to, and you know, the, the verse. So you should always start your verse off of the prayer with that old. I I can't really cite it, but it's in the the way to pray to God. He said, "Here's what you say at first when you give your prayer, and then after that, you just pray to what's on your mind." And I do the same way. The parents the same way. They had like these poems or these things you had to remember. You have to pray this. You got to pray this. You got to pray this. And I don't believe that one bit. I. Kind of pray where you just pray what's in your soul, what's in your heart. Pray to God, help me or help my family, or you know, from inside of you praying to Him. I think that's the strongest prayer. You don't get on your knees. You can just be on your desk and put your head down and just just close your eyes and pray silently. Yeah, yeah I think that's powerful. I think it's important. My, my wife comes from a Catholic background as well, and as a Christian, she she had trouble uh, making that transition without having to have some religious intercessor, someone praying for her, or, you know, or having to carry around carry around a, a blessed, I call it a saint baseball card, you know, to have a, was blessed by a priest. And yeah, I still have them. Still have them. And, and, that, and, and it's just, uh, so there was a lot of religiosity in that. And if you look back at the Pharisees, they, they maintained a lot of the law, a lot of the religious put a lot of these uh, ungodly, you know, sort of un unattainable demands upon man to commune with God. And they advertised how godly they were. And they received that pride. Um, going back to what prayer is about, um, it, is, it, is, it is as simple as a conversation between you and me, but you're entering into a conversation with your creator. It can be verbal. It can be thought. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are actually tracks on orders of prayers. You know, there's, there's a method for prayer. Jesus, and if you look at uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the apostles, his disciples at the time, apostle disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And as you look, as you look at, as you look, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible segue, to be candid with you. If you look at how to just how to teach discipline for prayer, you have to look at men in the Bible. First of all, our first example is Christ, and He did teach the men in the Bible. So, if you have your Bibles, guys, if you'll open up to Matthew six, let me answer your question. Matthew six, five through fifteen. Matthew six, five through fifteen. Now, I want to talk about living out a commitment to prayer. You're discovering prayer. What is prayer? The disciples didn't know either. So, in Luke chapter eleven, verse one, they said, "Lord." Teach us to pray. You know why? Because they saw this man, this man Jesus, leave an intentional 
time with God, his creator, I mean his his father, not creator, his father, but he went off with their creator, intentionally got away, and had communion. When we say communion, had communication, had a, had a dialogue with his dad, with his father, not being disrespectful by any means. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. They might have it. Will someone read for me? Uh, yeah, in Luke 5, 16. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. Just oh, read okay. yeah. And when you pray, do not... Yeah. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in food. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is unseen. Wow. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pigeons. Peasants. <laughs> For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, or your father knows what you need before, your, before you ask him. Stop right there. Those are warnings from God, I mean from Jesus, saying, there are folks that pray like this, don't be like them. Don't pray for attention, but consider it an intimate moment between you and your creator, between you and God. And he's our, the disciples didn't know this, but they'll be praying to him. He's saying, now I'm setting up my AT&T calling card now. And it's two way. And then he gives the example. He says, therefore you should pray like this. Back to what you were saying, Mark. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That is the first step in applying the discipline of prayer in your life. You have to go to the school of prayer. And Jesus is the ultimate teacher in that, scripturally. By example, and then by order. Uh, before we leave today, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave you a little acrostic called Acts. But we'll go over before we leave today. It'll help you out, Kevin, and how to pray. It's a simple conversation with God. And I say simple because the price wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. But the, the, the methodology is sincere. So before all things, Kevin, sincerity. Make sure you just have a conversation with God. As, you, as you're asking us, you know, God, I'm about to do something. Right, you're using your example. <laughs> about to do something. You know, Lord, I'm not sure, but it's protecting this area. Or I see something coming here. Or God, you know what? I don't have the money for this. Provide. As you do, give us our daily bread. It's pretty powerful, too, on that because it says don't babble. Look at that context. He doesn't want you going into a, an hour essay about right. your problems. He knows what your problems is. He already knows. Yeah. He wants you to pray to ask for his for his um, for his insights. Right. You know, and it, that's kind of a nice statement there, where he's saying you don't have to sit there and babble and just babble and babble and just prayer, mm. but not really coming from the heart or just praying about your life. He wants you to be direct with him. Seems like what he's saying too. Yeah, I think I think that that phrase babbling is think of it as an incessant noise 
<laughs> okay? And here, no, y'all remember the, 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 the peanuts, right? And the teacher. Okay, if, if we pray and all we're doing is it's, it's driven by anxiety, fear, we're, we're not humble, we're demanding, we're just all of our needs. That's all we're and we're not saying receive, listen, slow down. Remember when Jesus was at the front of the boat and there's this huge storm going on and he's asleep. Everybody else comes up babbling to him. And he stands up and in a word he takes care of it. And he says, where was your faith? I don't think he was saying, don't come to me. I don't think he was saying, don't ever ask me for anything again. But I think he was saying, we need to be faithful men, no matter what's going on around us. And we don't come like scared schoolgirl children, you know, like, like running up to him. But we come with confidence to him. This word, our Father, who art in heaven, our Father, is the intimate word, Abba. For daddy, okay? I always tell my kids, like my, my son one time called me Eric. That's my name. And I looked at him, and then one time he called me like, I like calling you Coach Reed or something like that. And I said, well, you know what I love to hear you call me? I said, daddy. I said, there are only four people on the planet that can call me daddy. And you're one of them. And when you don't call me daddy, I feel like you're sort of distancing yourself from me because that's who I am. I fathered you. I held you when you were born. I cut your cord. I diapered you. I'm with you. I'm in your corner. I only want the best for you. I will lay my life down for you. You can call me daddy. It gives me joy. And I think that's the heart of God on the prayer. Not babbling, like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And, you know, just pop, 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 pop. But then we lay it down to God and we would then listen. And let him speak courage into our heart. Let him speak wisdom to our soul. And he'll do that through text, scripture. You know, we could camp out a whole deal on praying scripture and all of that. And we can give, we'll put together a couple of books that I think maybe would be helpful, that, that have been helpful for me. We have an amazing ministry that birthed out of this church. Uh, Two of them. Yeah, Marion Bridgewater yeah. and Nancy Taylor. Bible um, teachers in this church many, many years ago was the Bridgewaters. Mm. They're the ones who answered a lot of my difficult questions when I became a, a Christian. You know, at first this church, they were the ones that were the ones that I was bombarded every single Sunday on questions and questions and questions. <laughs> but they were really good. Good for you, man. Yeah, there is there is a difference between vain repetitions and like praying for my nephews every day, keeping them safe and Absolutely. Oh, no, absolutely. We pray for my children every day. I pray for my children every night. And that's not bad, but in, in itself. No, that no. Itself. My parents pray for me every day. My grandparents pray for me. And I'm just trying. Go, God forbid that the balance. Plenty enough difference. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, did y'all hear what John said? I think he pointed out a good deal. Is praying frequently for something, for someone, <clears throat> lifting people up. Uh, for me, it's it's my brother. It's not a Christian. Um, it's my wife's parents. There's a lot of going on. You know, in-laws are either good or it's not always good, and we struggle. But I, I pray about that multiple times every day. It's not a lack of faith. It's on my heart. I lay it before God, and I keep moving. 
and I, I wait for him to, to move in that, to accomplish his purposes in that. So, yeah. I apologize, I'm, 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 I'm writing my thoughts out before we yeah, yeah. progress. As we're talking about trying to live out a commitment to prayer. The other one is, is, is prayer is time well invested. If I want to get better at something, like I showed you yesterday, last week, I brought out this book called Combat Focus Shooting. If I bring out that book, it said one thing about me. Hey, this guy is interested in combat focus shooting. I can read the book, but I can be all theory and no practice, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and help me out here, because I can spend a lot of time in prayer. But my prayers, I've got to practice good prayer. I've got to practice prayer, having prayers for Thanksgiving. There's an art to it. I'm not saying legalistic, but there's, 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 there's times when you've got to set a time to go, with, to go, to go to God, and be well and well invested in this. So, I mean, God gives us an order with His, with His plan. And it's, it, it's, it's a commandment. It's a recommendation. It's a great flowchart for prayer. But I will get better at prayer. Be less babble. More requests. More supplication. More interceding and some intercession. I practice and pray more. And I, and, I, and I pray with authenticity. Not praying to be a great orator when it comes to prayer. That's my problem. Right? I listen to people pray like on Sunday, uh, Bible study. I think that's amazing. It, it's almost, uh, they're like wordsmiths. It's beautiful what they issue. And I look and I think my prayer sounds so um, almost childlike. I think, how, how many of y'all relate to that? Right, exactly. And, and I'm going to raise my hand. He mentioned um, childlike prayer. Exactly. It makes me think of childlike faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to feel that way, but you know how I look at it now? I feel God like doesn't, that when I pray. God doesn't care how we pray as long as it's truly from their heart. That's how I look at it now. Yeah. I, I, I was saying child, no, when I meant a child, not like I don't like to, I like to, but I'm the same way how you feel. When I pray, you know, my prayers come out awkward to me compared to some really good people. I was at the um, Barrington, and this lady would do prayer over us before, um, for the first time ever, I went I went to evangelism with, with two people, Mark was one of them, and I was like, wow, she's amazing. I felt like, wow, that she has a talent. But when wow. I pray sometimes, I was like, mm, you know, I'm praying and I feel like my sentences fell, you know, in my mind. I'm not coming up near as good, but at the same time, I think in God's eyes, they're just, just mine is just as powerful as the person who says it perfectly out of their mouth. Because God wants to see it come from your soul, your, your inside, not from your mouth or from your brain. You know, that, exactly. you can have people who are very educated that can come out with these perfect prayer sentences, but if a person, like if I'm on my knees and I'm praying to God and wow. I'm fumbling all my words, but it's coming from inside me, deep inside me, I think God respects us just as much, maybe even more. You know? Yeah. No, I, and, and hey, Earl, what were you going to say? Well, I'm sorry, I, Mark, that's very prayer, insightful, man. I'm learn from those who pray on Christian TV as well as 
Christian radio. <coughs> he listens to Christian TV a lot. Oh, Christian yeah. radio. Oh, and mostly TV. Radio is much better. That's just my opinion. Hey, great TV. I just want to say, my wife, <laughs> and, and I, I'm just going to say this, like. Think about either a friend that you got or, or a spouse or whatever, but if, if I came up to my wife tonight and I rehearsed my best Greg Mott and I went to my wife and I tried to talk like Greg Mott to my wife and I tried to be Greg Mott to my wife, my wife would say, would you cut it out? What it, what, be yourself. Be yourself. I married you. I didn't marry Greg, I married you. Maybe I wish I married Greg, but I married you. So, so I'm sharing that merely to say, I think God's greatest heart desire, Kevin, and Mark, and me, and Earl, is that we don't worry. We don't worry. We are received in Jesus already. We're already in him. And if I'm praying, if someone says, hey, Eric, would you pray? If I'm praying and I'm worried about everyone else in the room judging like the Russian judge says a 7-5, the American a 9-5, you know, and they're going to throw out the high and the low, and then I'm going to get this average score, then I don't think we were praying anyway. I think we were like peacocks popping our tails up and spreading our feathers trying to see who had the bigger feather thing at the back, you know? I've seen peacocks try to impress each other, and it's pretty cool. I don't, it is. <laughs> it is. It's cool looking, but that's not prayer. You know, prayer isn't a contest at all. Prayer, if someone ever asks you, Kevin, I want you to pray. You know what? They've just given you permission to just be yourself with your maker and them. And a lot of times I hear people's prayers and I'm like, that was powerful. I've never prayed like that. Well, the reality is they pray that way probably every day, and for them, they think, oh, man, I pray <laughs> like that every day. And when they hear you, they're like, that's different. I, that's a different way of, of approaching God. I, I, that, that seems so simple and pure. I seem so contrived and made up. I wish I was real like Kevin was real. And so I'm just, I'm just sort of giving us permission to be real in your prayers I prayed, I mean, I prayed for a year, a very simple prayer, and I got it right out of Scripture, and it was, God, give me a new heart. That was my prayer. I mean, that was it. That was at morning, that was afternoon, that was eating food. Yeah, I said, bless the food, but I mean, it was like, my heart prayer, my heart cry was, God, give me a new heart. Because I knew in His Scripture He promised that. I knew in His Scripture He wanted that. And I knew in my heart, <clears throat> it was cold. And getting colder. <laughs> and that was scary for me, you know. I was a pretty young believer. I had a lot of motivation. And then I was going through a period where I didn't find a lot of motivation. I found the pull of my past was stronger than the push to the future. And I started getting scared. And my prayer became really simple. I was just crying it out every day. God, give me a new heart. I need you to give me a new heart. It's like old habits die hard. Yeah, they're comfortable. That's pretty powerful. I like the way you said that about the praying. That you know the way, you know, like you said, the perfect prayer for a person was just to go wow. We would say to go wow, but then someone else would pray to them. They're like, this is so awkward. But other people look at it like wow, 
that was powerful. And that's, I like, you know, that's a really good way of looking at it. I, I will confess to y'all that I have never, I've never been in a group of people where someone has prayed that I haven't been moved by their prayer and touched by their prayer. And that goes for the smallest little kids I've ever heard pray to the oldest person I've heard pray, like my grandmother, mm. to uh, just people, random people in class or on a mission trip or, or at, a, at a dinner. I've been touched by everybody's prayers I've ever heard. And I'm just sharing that with you all. And, and, you know, I'm ordained minister, all that that's just legal. In God's eyes, we're all ordained ministers in Him, okay? And so I'm just saying from one minister to other ministers one man to other men so that's one thing about public prayer John yes I've been in groups that have public prayer and there are some people that pray so low you can't hear them and when you ask them to speak up they come back and say uh, I'm not praying to you but the point of public prayer is to hear the prayer isn't that correct yeah so, so if they're praying out loud they should speak up loud enough for people to hear them yeah the, the, the goal would be otherwise, otherwise they, so they get the still could pray but yeah we, we could always pray silently mm-hmm. I could pray silently and my wife could pray silently side by side every day of our marriage every day of our life mm-hmm. but I will say this when brothers in Christ or uh, dad and his sons and when we pray out loud what we're what we're inviting everyone to do is to say we are going to combine and focus don't think shotgun think laser beam we are going to bring our all of our hearts, the movement of God's Spirit, into one area, one thing, right now together. And we're going to be in agreement on this. We will agree upon this, God, that you would bring healing. And I have had times when I have been in agreement and healing hasn't happened the way we wanted it to happen. And I've been in times where we have prayed for healing and healing has happened on the spot in a miraculous way. God's in control of all of that. Yes, but my faith brings me to say we will pray God-sized prayers to the God of this universe who has given us the privilege through the blood and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to come before him together as brothers or as an individual in a prayer closet. Dark, silent, I'm here, God. No one knows, but I am lifting this person up because they're on my heart. I had a guy called me this morning, said, you've been on my heart all morning long. I just wanted to tell you, I've just finished praying for you. Freaked me out because I, have, I needed it. I, I needed it in a huge, huge way. And so I called a guy up and I had lunch with him because he knew what I was going through. And I said, have you talked to so-and-so? He said, no, man. I said, no, seriously, I want you to level with me. Have you talked to so-and-so? He says, no, we haven't talked in about three days. I said, does he know about this, which I had told this guy? And he said, no. I said, no, I said, I want you to be honest with me. Does he know this? And he said, no. So what, what's, the, what's the problem? I said, because I got the weirdest call this morning. He called me, and he said, I've been on his mind, his heart all morning, and he's praying for me. And he said, can't you just receive that from God? The God that loves you is the same God that's indwelling him. And he's drawing brothers in Christ to pray for you right now. Amen. And why is that so hard for you to believe? And why is that so hard for you to accept? 
God's good. I mean, God's good. Prayer is powerful. Because I, just long story short, we've got the men's retreat coming up in three weeks. I'm speaking three times this weekend at a college retreat. And last night I got so fed up with what I was going to teach that I threw it all away. And I started over this morning. And I felt very, I was despairing. I had anxiety. I was like, God, I don't know what, I, I don't know what you want me to teach. I thought I knew, and it's not. And once I got off the phone with that guy, it's like the lights came on. I mean, it's just like the lights came on. Everything just came together. And in my mind now, I know the three talks. I know where we're going. I know the Bible characters I'm looking at. And I know the passages of Scripture I'm going to go to. And that was God's gift. And I believe that's exactly that man praying for me. God answered that prayer. And my wife and I have been praying for quite a while on this. But God was bringing other people into it to agree in prayer. And so uh, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um, if y'all can relate to that. But but for sure. Um, sorry. No, no. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not trying to monopolize our, our time on that at all. But. I think that, I mean, I'm not going to have to go into it all, but I believe that 100% because even when I was a new Christian, there was a lady named Helen who worked with me, and I was petrified that not the day, because I was talking my tonsils taken out about 10 years ago. My tonsils were infected, they were really bad, and they had to operate to take them out. So she did a pray with me outside that now when I left the, the, the store saying, pray, Mark, please take the fear from him, make some, take all the fear from Mark, make sure he's not scared tomorrow. No lie. I woke up that morning to go to the doctors at the clinic, you know, where they put you to sleep for hours, mm. and I felt like I was floating. I had no fear of me at all, and I was petrified for a week. I had no fear, not scared at all. I went through the worst pain of my life for two weeks, but that morning, I, ne I never felt so at ease, and, and when I was thinking about it, I said, it had to have been that prayer that, that, that wow. she put on me that night, because I was scared big time. I don't like going under the knife, and I'm like, sleep, you know, that morning I felt like nothing was going to bother me. Wow. To me, it's an amazing prayer does do a lot. There is a, uh, <clears throat> and I don't think we have this written down, in James, okay. <clears throat> it says the, uh, the fervent or earnest prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Um, the fervent or sincere prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. And I think that's James chapter, I want to say it's chapter 2. Um, this is where I should memorize. There's another Blake. passage that I keep thinking about in this, but I can't remember the reference, and you may remember it. But it's where Jesus is flat out saying, you, you have the right to come before God, not, not me praying I am not pulling that. I had it in my list of papers, but I did not. And if you if y'all don't know what to pray, I mean, here's the deal: when you're reading scripture, because that was our discipline last week, we talked about scripture. I wasn't here, but. Always look, is there a phrase to pray? You know, is there is there a prayer to pray here? Is there a promise that God's put out there that you want to just say, hey God, 
Here it is. If you think about Moses, when Moses got on his knees in Exodus 21, when God was getting ready to wipe them out, sort of the nuclear assault in the wilderness idea, you know, he got on his knees and he said, Lord, you promised. And he sort of listed. And then he says, you took them out of Egypt and you did this and you did that. And if you wipe them out, what will that say about you? For your name, for your glory, don't smite them. Redeem them. You know, and, and, and so taking God's promise, taking God's word, it's not that you're a lawyer with God, but, but no, he wants you to know his word. He wants you to know his heart. Pray that to him. He will give you a new heart. If you feel like, man, my heart is just stone cold. I don't care. My daughter told me the other night, but Dad, I don't really want to pray. I said, well, it's not okay not to pray. It's okay to be honest in prayer. And it's okay for you to tell God right now that you don't want to pray to Him. So you just tell Him, God, I don't want to pray to you right now. Change my heart. Change my heart. And that was her prayer. That's about the most honest prayer a little kid could ever pray or a man could pray. And if that's sort of where your heart is right now, it's okay. God already knows it. I think you said that earlier. One of y'all said it, or Earl, maybe you said it, that, that, that God knows her heart. So don't hide it, because then you don't feel like he's intimate with you. Let him in. Let him come right in. He could, he could take you out anyway, if he had <laughs> He already knows your heart. He knows if you're you know, PO'd at him, you know, that something didn't go right at work and you're mad about it. Well, he knows that. If you're still alive, he's cool with it. He just wants you to bring it to him because he wants to redeem it and restore it. I know you got you got that parenting class right there. Um, See you next week. Hey, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about pursuing prayer as a discipline. Is okay. that have we already done that or is I that? I think we basically have. I mean, we talked about. Oops, went the wrong way. But develop a quiet time that includes a prayer. Yeah. I mean, that, that quiet time would be the idea of getting alone. We should pray alone at some point every day. And it might be, you know, it might be while you're driving your car, <laughs> praying for God to remove all the vehicles from I-10 or 290 or Jones Road or... No, I'm sorry. That's where it says number two, pray about everything. Yeah. Pray about everything. So, right. Bus drivers. Bus drivers. <laughs> They, run, they do drive pretty fast. Some of them do. Do any of y'all have something that you use as like a prayer reminder for you? I mean, just something that, you, that, that has, you've used historically that sort of brought you to prayer on a more regular basis, sort of cultivating prayer? <clears throat> What's that? Not a morning prayer for me. Time my devotional in the evening. Sometimes I'm just walking and, and or waiting on the bus, I pray then. Now I do it all the time, but I do it, try to do it a little, yeah. most of the time, but I was, do it all the time. Yeah, yeah just in trans, you know, get to transportation, <coughs> using that time. 2959 plan by Peter Ord. I just wrote for him. Yeah, he had a notebook on the 29th. Yeah, and then he dumped it down for guys like me, the 959 plan. Uh, the 2959 was basically in less than 30 minutes 
Yeah. It's it's scripture, it's prayer, it's it's petition, it's all that in thirty minutes and I took the kindergarten version, the nine fifty nine prayer, which was ten minutes. And the ironic thing was it ended up becoming the fifty nine fifty nine plan. That, that, that I started small and it was like it was like the, the beachhead at Normandy, you know, Omaha Beach. Just give God a little bit. Right. Give him a foothold in your life and let him expand it. Let him grow it, organically grow it, where your 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 taste changes, your desires change. Kevin, was it like, w- would you say that there had been some interactions you had had with maybe some some Christians, you know, that that, oh, that had been negative or had been really hurtful or? Oh, absolutely. Some, some, most in, in the Catholic milieu, uh, and many actually, some in this church, you know. So uh, I, I had uh, occasion phone conversation on a recorder that I had not, I didn't do it myself, I just happened to stumble on I heard these people discussing what a, um, oh, I guess sort of, you know, a morally uh, bankrupt person I was, you know, kind of thing, not a very good Christian. Oh my gosh. Because somebody asked me if I had been, and I said, yeah, I'm a Christian, uh, but now I, I realize Yeah, I think so. I think there are. Yeah. But at any rate, that kind of thing, and, you know, I've, I've been told, like, well, then you're not a Christian at all. You think that, or you know, that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess God knows your heart. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I can't hide from Him. Nor do I want to. But it's like I have had some some really nasty things. As I said, mostly under Catholicism growing up, some really bizarre stuff. It's a wonder that I do come to church or continue to go to church. Because I was married to a Catholic for 32 years. And, and, um, 
um, you know, they're more dogmatic and more uh, accusatory and more, this is more accepting. You know, I, can, I can come here and feel like I, I'm not under the microscope or a thumb, you know what I mean? It's like I'm, I'm free to pursue this as under a set of rules that make sense. Sorry about that digression, but yeah. No, but that's we, some nasty stuff under Catholicism. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't hear you saying everyone in Catholicism yeah. is wrong or evil or bad. You're saying that you had some hurtful experiences, and I think we've all had hurtful experiences in church. I happen to be in a lot of Baptist churches, and the irony of ironies is, guess what? I'm on staff as a minister in a Baptist church and I had avoided ministry in a church setting until I was about 39 years old when I came on staff here. So I'd run from that since I was 18 years old because of all the garbage that I had seen and the hurt that I had. So I, I think it's all right. I mean, God handles it well. He handles our hurt well. And he heals. And and I, I, get, uh, I grew up in the shadows of Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, mm -hmm. and during the era of all the televangelist scandals and all this, and I had this impression that all the churches were just scamming people for their money and all that kind of thing. So I had that stigma to, to get through, which I got over quickly. So I was going to say, a, maybe an instructive point would be, you know, we, we can talk about prayer, but, but we, we really do need to pray for the, the people sort of in a more of a leadership, visible leadership spot. Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Graham, I think it was Billy Graham, and Renee, you can correct me on this one. You know, he said that, that Satan derives more pleasure and more joy from felling a giant oak tree than felling a sapling, and that he often will allow the consequences of sin to be delayed. And a perfect example of that would be, uh, I had a friend that was sort of into online pornography and he didn't deal with it, didn't deal with it. And it progressed to harder core pornography and he didn't deal with it. And then it progressed to where he would go to like a strip club and he didn't deal with it. And then it went to where he actually solicited a prostitute mm -hmm. and he didn't deal with it. And then it went to a full-fledged affair on his wife. And all that happened in about a 10-year window. Year one, looking at a playboy in college, no, there's no consequence. That was sort of pleasurable. It was all right. You know, fast forward 10 years, Satan, at that point, here's a dad, two kids, beautiful wife, good job, just yanks that. It's almost like a fish that had a hook in it, didn't know it had a hook in it, and kept swimming thinking, all right, this is a great, easy meal, easy meal, good times, big time. And then the enemy was like, no, it's go time. Bam, you know, yank. And you're like, what happened? Where did that come from? That guy was 
leading a church and everything was perfect and now look at him, what happened? Well, the enemy waited till the, he would get the most pleasure from seeing the mighty fall. And don't kid yourself that you have a target on you. That you need someone that's got your six. It's got your back. As part of the men's retreat, we're going to explore a little bit about that. Um, you know, how do we how do we cover that? How do we get that? I just want to encourage you to pray for Greg. Not because I know something's bad's happening. You know, man, no, he's one of the most humble men I've ever met. And 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 I've been at the church almost ten years now. Ten years actually, I've been at the church because I came in August of '99. So I've been here ten years as a member for seven of those years and on staff for about almost four. So, you know, three and a half years, so six and a half and three and a half, you can do the math. But anyhow, when Greg came, I was excited because he always seemed like a real person. And I had run into him in the grocery store. I was a member of the church. He didn't even know I was a member of the church. I ran into him and I watched him. Yeah, he's helping a person get peanut butter. And he, you know, it's like he... He was a real person, and then when I went on staff, I was like, oh, man, this is my worst-case scenario. I'm going to see the dark underbelly of our path. <laughs> he, he's a very humble leader in a staff meeting. He's not yelling at people. He's encouraging us. He's calling us to repentance. He's praying over us. He's challenging me with his life. Um, the way he loves his wife, the way he loves his kid, the way he tries to love the people of our church. So, but pray for him. Pray for me. Yes. Pray for Jason Swigger. Um, I think he teaches your class. You know, pray, pray for men that you see in spots of, quote, leadership. Pray for them. And then pray for this class. Pray for each other. Because you're in leadership somewhere. And somewhere you're the, you're the leader. Whether you know it or not, you're setting the example. And it's not a long, drawn-out prayer. Oh, man, as simple as... It doesn't have to be. You know, I get an email from Eric. I get an email from Don Mutt, these staff members I work with on a regular basis. As soon as I get the email from them, I lift them up. Well, just take care of them, Doug. Just take care of them. I mean, you said earlier, nothing is, un- is over as underrated as just casual conversation with God. Exactly. Just, you know, Lord, just take care of Kevin. Care of like that. We have the list. Lord, God in heaven, protect. Well, you know, if you're going to Ecuador or you know, or to another country, take them as you try. Real casual. I mean, it can be. It can be as, as simple, and God would just honor that. God would honor that. Um, formal prayer. Uh, my life is filled with casual prayer to God every day. Uh, I get an email from someone our class saying, hey, you have a prayer request, as soon as I read the email, wherever I'm at, and I'm not being religious about this, I'm not being legalistic, I read it and go, you know what, the time it took me to read it, I just shut my eyes and go, Lord, I lift that person up in prayer. I just got an email yesterday, this morning, about a young lady who was in ICU, a little little girl in ICU, sitting in IHOP, going, things that I did is I have to fill prayer cards. On Monday, I pray for my family. I don't know if 
pray for, pray for my family. I list my family members down. Everyone, my wife, my kids, and just pray for every, every, even my politically incorrect uncle. Uh, you know, pray for their salvation. Um, my in-laws, I pray for them for their salvation. On Tuesday, I pray for um, our nation. I pray for the authority in our church. I pray for authority. On Tuesday, I lift up. Uh, Obama, I looked up Bush, I looked up our, our administration, I looked up our pastor, I looked up all these, all the things that I'm involved with in, in ministry. And I pray. And on Wednesday, I pray for uh, work. And I list up the people I work with, because I, 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 and I carry these cards around me, and because I carry them around me so frequently, I've lost them. I can't find them. <laughs> and on Thursday, I pray for desires. Lord, I want to be 178 pounds. I want to be. I want to be a, a great guitar player. I want to be able, uh, and I just find desires. Lord, I want to be retired by 42. I want to be wealthy. <laughs> you know, just desires. God, I'm a child to God. I can ask for these things. Lord, I want a GT 300. You know, I want a spider motorcycle. I don't know. Just desires. It's okay. And on Friday, I pray for friends. And for friends. I pray for friends on Friday. My best friend who I had a falling out with. Yes, matter of fact, the IHOP at, at breakfast at IHOP, uh, we have a 6 a.m. Bible study every every morning at the Washington, is it Washington? Washington, Washington I-10. IHOP, been there for 12 years. Well, not there, but that Bible has been going for 12 years. And uh, every, we'll get Victor aside and go, Victor, what can we pray for you today about? He goes, well, my Bursitis. Okay, let's pray about Bursitis. And we pray. And, and it's, it's amazing. People would be totally caught off guard. Or they go, thank you. Simple conversation. You have been transparent with us today, and that's the way God wants you to approach Him. Mm. You said, "You said, who said God knows our hearts? He knows what He knows about us already. We won't, we don't want to hide from Him." Your prayers may sound childlike to you, but they are sweet. Mm. Yes, they are sweet. I, I, man. It starts at John 16, 26. Right. And it says, In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed that I came from God. <coughs> from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. John, what was that again? 16, 26. Um, I'll share with you something about prayer. Uh, we have a, a deacon in our church who um, had cancer. Well, we don't know if he had cancer. Um, she recently had gone through tests and was supposed to have prostate cancer and gone through all the tests and 
fast forward, I mean, rewind six months in this classroom, the class that meets in this class, his daughter was given testimony. And her in-laws were there, and so was that deacon. Her father was in that room. And the in-laws were having to be in town to go to MD Anderson because they had both been diagnosed with cancer. The daughter opened up in our class that her dad has been diagnosed with cancer. Six months even six months prior to the battle of the doctors. There was an awkward moment like, what do we do now? And I stood up and I took four chairs and I threw the four chairs in front of the class and we had four parents sit and the whole class huddled around them and we prayed and we prayed, talking about laser focus and my prayer was specific, it was this and I'm not saying it's my prayer I'm not saying it was my words I chose I said Lord God we ask for healing for this man this family that you get the glory that you baffled the doctors is the word I used. I prayed that prayer six times prior to people. I was authentic when I prayed it. And then I found a report, I heard a report that this gentleman was speaking in our church. The doctors were baffled was the word he used. They couldn't find the cancer. Prayer works. I'm in awe that God reminded me of that six months later, that I was obedient. And here he knew the outcome, but I prayed the prayer. And God, God's like a father wanting to give gifts to his kids. Like, like you who are parents, you know what your kids need, you know what your kids want. And nothing gives you more joy than to give your child what they want. If you can, if it's in your means, you can do it. And he's the God of all means. And according to his will, you said that, according to his will, he will provide. So it can be a formal prayer publicly, it can be a private intimate prayer, God will honor. I just want to encourage you that. Definitely. Encourage us all. Encourage us all. Time-wise, I know we're seven twenty-five. We got to we got to honor honor the time on that. Um, I, I feel like there's some assignments we wanted to give y'all, and I think we're going to give them to you. Uh, just different different levels of them. There's also some questions. I, I think we're going to need to email these. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then just there's some texts we wanted y'all to read and just to look at, and also Milton, you know, bless his heart, was sick, but he was cranking this. He was putting this together while he was about to hack a lung out. So I, I did try to sanitize him. Actually, I made the copies. I made the copies. <laughs> so you see, it's you not see. a Republic stance. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's from yeah. him. Yeah. I think, I think he's recruiting. Do you ever need a notary? You know where to kind of get one. Is this, is this online? Would you like the slides? Because we have all the slides. We have these yeah, we have the stuff. We can, we can extract it as a PDF and put it on a, 
and email it out actually. Right. Yeah, I can do that. Um, which would take up less room than the whole oh, yeah, than the whole thing. Um, okay. Yeah, and I was also. I promise you, it's not like that insane race challenge. This is not going to be as difficult as clawing under barbed wire, okay, or yeah. digging up a stump. But we do want to challenge you in the sense of the paralyzed. Yeah, I was, I was gonna. I got challenged one time, and, and it was to find a find a prayer partner. Okay, so if you're married, that could be your wife. If you're married, it could be a friend. If you're single, it could be a friend. It could be someone from your Bible study class. It could be a coworker that maybe is a Christian, but. That the stipulation was that, that we would actually sort of have a rhythm to it, and the rhythm would be this, that whether you took a 30-minute block or an hour block, which is sort of crazy if you've got kids, a busy job, and all that, so start with a smaller one, but take that, and one time it would be this person would share what their, really, their needs are, their prayer needs, whatever. It might be three or four things, and then... You would literally specifically pray for those things right then, right there with them. They would share the needs. You would pray over that. You could then turn around and they do the same thing for you. And you do that within a, a confine of time. So if you were doing it for 30 minutes, it would be a sort of a quicker quicker exchange. If you have an hour, be a little bit longer. For my wife and I, we do 30 minutes from 9 to 9.30. It's not religious, but, you know... When the kids go to bed, before we're so tired we can't think straight, and before the Drudge Report catches my mind, um, my wife and I, we, we take that time and, and ask her, you know, how was this day? How can, I, how can I pray for you? And I pray that over her. And then she asks me, and she prays that over me. Now that's strengthening our marriage. Uh, it's, it's giving us a, a oneness. You know, a connection there that, that wasn't there when we were married, but really not doing stuff like that, because that seemed really weird. And uh, But I want to encourage y'all, if you have a roommate or a friend, that would be a great thing to do. I did it with an older man. His name was Andy, Andy Kelly, and uh, it made a huge impact in my life. We did it for a whole semester together, and that's where I learned it back in 91. Um, Kevin, were you raising your hand? or? Well, uh Actually, I'd like to learn more about the man as a leader in the family, or as even if it's not a family, my family's strong. It's sort of a second life for me. I don't know what. And uh, but still, I have the sense that if I have a female companion, I want to be able to do it now as a Christian man. Yes. As someone who. you a little some things that are coming down the road that would probably be a, a pretty essential part of that um, one thing is uh, roles of a man it's a six-week class that we will do I think historically we've done it in five but I, I think we have to do it in six just it's it's pretty pretty intensive and it's it's a lot all at one time but I think it gives you a good framework to look at things there's a quest for authentic manhood um, Blake, do you want to just share maybe a testimony for you on that? Um, yeah, it was it was very good. It's a big commitment. It's what twenty six, twenty four weeks, weeks long. Weeks. Um, but through that, and actually, John was in my small group in the 
those guys that were in our small group, you know, when we would have the breakout sessions, you were with the same guys every week. And but we got to be really close. I mean, David and I, I mean, uh, half the time when you see me here at the church, I'm with David. I noticed that. That is a 24-week, and I don't believe we're, we're getting ready to offer the two two of them. In the in the spring, we'll be winning at work, winning at home on a Wednesday night. That's good too. That would probably be a great first step. Um, next year, we're going to offer the the quest takes pretty much a whole August to May almost because it's 24 weeks long, and you have your holiday breaks and stuff like that. So it really is a longer commitment. Uh, we're not running it this spring, but we will offer it uh, next year. But Rolls of a Man will be in the spring. Winning at work, winning at home will be in the spring. Um, we'll be starting uh, the week after the men's retreat, a uh, thing called the Great Adventure uh, on Sunday nights. Um, that's sort of the third part to the trilogy of, of Quest for Authentic Manhood. It's really more, I think the other ones are foundational, and this is more future-driven. How do you live this out better? And without the foundation, it wouldn't make any sense to you. It would be premature to dive in. Not that you wouldn't learn, not that it wouldn't encourage you, or that you wouldn't meet some good friends in it. But it would be a little bit, you know, you'd miss it a little bit. And we're going to spotlight. At the men's retreat, you'll have a little booklet that you get. And part of it will be notes you can take of Pastor Greg's deal or my deal or Steve's deal and a map and, and the, uh, you know, when we're doing what at the retreat. But the back couple of pages will be, these are studies coming up, and these are some events coming up that, as a man, might, might encourage you and help sharpen you. And uh, if you don't want to wait till then, I don't mind grabbing a lunch with you and just talking and just, just hearing and sharing from my life. There are other men, too. I know I'm younger than you, so it might not appeal to you, but there are other men I can point you to that are, I don't feel that way that are, that are further down the road. You did you did winning on a Sunday night, right? right. Now you have you done winning? You were Wednesday night, I've done winning. Winning will be. You were on Sunday night though. We've never offered winning on a Wednesday night. We're going to offer it starting in January. So when this class is over, it's Christmas basically. Yeah. You have like three or four weeks off. It's Christmas. Starting up the next semester of, of Midlink is going to be on Wednesday night. We'll be winning at work, winning at home. Uh, we allow the author of the material to teach it through the DVD, and then Richard, yeah, Robert Lewis is his name, and then we'll facilitate that. There are small group opportunities in that, and it really is a highly practical deal. I mean, I, I just can't say that enough. It's not a deep Bible study. It's a manhood study that uses the Bible. I don't know, it's a little bit different, so... Yeah. 
uh, if you're coming in for a deeper theology as opposed to a practical, how do I live this out, you'd be frustrated. But, but if you're, I hear you saying, I really want to see, give me the big, the highlights of being a man, how to lead as a man, and then help me, help me do that. That's what I'm hearing you say. All right. Well, that's good. And go to the men's retreat. I think you're going to get a, a good, I think you'll get a good, I really do. Uh, there, there'll be some, there'll be some, I think some vision given and, and a big step you can take forward that, that will begin to put some pieces in your life that will allow you to be that leader. Bless you. Bless you. Hey, I know, I know it's, uh, let's, let's pray. And I, I'm going to hang out after this a little bit if you want to talk more. But uh, set you free, those of you that have kids or a wife or, or a roommate that's waiting for you. Um, hey, who would close us in prayer? I will. John? Yes. Let's pray. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you. It's a wonderful time that we had no prayer. But it is a serious thing to do. And bless everyone and help us to apply prayer each and every day in our lives, Lord. Whether it's the morning, noon, or as, as you say, continually throughout the holiday, too. And keep everyone safe throughout this week. And I do ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day.